Well, hey, good morning. Welcome to City Church. Today we are talking about a faithful God and a hard job. A faithful God and a hard job. So today I want to talk to you about actually working for someone. Have you ever worked for a boss? Maybe you've worked for a bad boss. Have you ever had a bad boss in your time of, of work? Maybe somebody that never noticed what you did, uh, someone that wanted you to always do way more than what they hired you for. Have you ever worked for that person? Maybe a boss you could just never please. Well, I've had my share of jobs uh, over the years. I've been a car salesman, a magazine subscription salesman. I've been an administrator for a, a small business. Uh, I was a waiter. I've just done so many different things. A carpenter, was on job sites. I was a general contractor. And so, like, I've had my share of bosses, and I've also had, let me tell you, <laughs> let me, <laughs> I have had my share of bad bosses over the years. Some of these uh, bosses that I've had in my life, just, I learned so much of what not to do. But it doesn't matter wherever you work, there's going to be somebody in charge of you. There's going to be someone in authority over you. Even, I, I know like a lot of our goals is I want to actually be my own boss. Well, when you become your own boss, the customer is actually your boss now. Uh, if you don't do a good job, you won't be your own boss for very long. At all times, there's always somebody in authority over us. And so today I want to talk about how do you serve your boss, somebody in authority over you, even if they're bad. How do you work through that? How do you come under authority of people, even if it's a hard job? There's a little quick quiz that I'd love to give you, and you can uh, judge yourself on a scale of one to five, one being none at all, or five being very strongly, this is something that you're really good at. Here's a quick quiz to tell if you can come under authority of people. Are you as encouraging as you are critical? So if you scale one to five, one being uh, a solid no and five being a yes, are you as encouraging as you are critical? Can you find as much good in the person in authority or the leader or the owner as as much negative? Are you able to point out their gifts as much as your, their lack of giftings? One being a no, five being a, a strong yes. Do you write as many thank you cards as you do corrective emails? <laughs> the last one, I just threw this one in here. Uh, it's kind of fun, but is your Google reviews uh, all twos? <laughs> it... <laughs> Are all of your Google reviews like one and twos? Have you ever given something a five? Is anybody doing anything right besides, besides you? <laughs> this, is, this is how you can tell if you, you can come under authority. And, and lastly, I think with our government, if you think about authority, you can think about our nation. And are you able to pray for your president even if it's not the one that you voted for? One being a no. <laughs> And five being a strong yes. So are you somewhere, where do you find yourself? Are you a two or three in all those? Or are you a, are you a, hopefully 
you know, at least a two? Are you uh, strong like four and five? Well, this is how you can tell. Are you able to come under authority of the people around you? Can you find as much good in them as you do critical? This is a great way to discover that. So my goal today is, is really to give us enough inner strength in Jesus Christ that it doesn't matter who's in charge of us. It doesn't matter who's, on, uh, who's in the Oval Office, who's in the big office, who's, no matter who's in charge of us, that we can serve God with all of our hearts and, and look at people as we are serving the Lord. That's the goal for today. So would you go ahead and pray with me? And we're going to jump into the book of 1 Samuel and look at David's story of how he's able to do that. God, we thank you so much for the plans that you have for us today. We thank you that you're a God that is faithful, that you see us in, in every single situation of our life. Lord, you know our, um, the people that are in authority over us. You know what you're doing behind the scene. You uh, understand the, the road that we're on. You, you have a game plan for our life, even when we don't see it all the time. And so, Lord, I just pray that you would just start revealing some of that, even as we go through this message of the different ways and the different seasons and the different bosses that you've brought us through to, to actually bring us to this point of continuing to work on our hearts, Lord. And Lord, I just pray for your word to be alive and living. And Lord, for me to just get out of your way, that you would actually just speak directly to people's hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen. So all this today brings me back to our word for this entire month. And so we're discovering the word of God his name is Elhana Iman, which means he is the faithful one. He is the faithful God. He is Elhana Iman. And so we're going to look at the story of David and point out the different areas of how David was able to serve this faithful God, even when his boss was not very faithful, even when his boss was rude, even when his boss was destructive. How was David able to continue to serve there? And so we're going to look at the story of David in 1 Samuel 18. Before we get there, let's just recap where we're at with this story. So David goes to work for his dad, and David's a shepherd boy. And uh, he's out there taking care of the sheep. And the Bible says that uh, Samuel came to the house to actually anoint David was there to anoint the next king, but his dad didn't even think of David. And so he had all of his brothers come in the house, get cleaned up, get ready for Samuel to anoint him. And David's still taking care of the sheep. And so uh, Samuel goes through all the brothers and says, nope, that's not the next king. Do you have anyone else? And his dad, Jesse, says, yeah, I have my son David who's out in the field caring for the sheep. And so he brings David in. David stands in front of Samuel, and Samuel says, you're the next king. And then he anoints him with oil. And so David has this promise from God, the Elhana Iman, you're going to be the next king of Israel from the person that's actually in charge of choosing the next king of Israel, which is Samuel. And so David has this, this new identity of the next king of Israel. This is who he's called to be. He has the authority of the next king of Israel. He, has the, he is equipped for the, being the next king of Israel. So he's going through life as a young child. He's only 13, 14 years old when he's anointed to be the next king of Israel. Talk about a lot of, 
a lot of pressure, but also a lot of authority for a 13-year-old. You're going to be the next king of Israel. That could really go to your head. And I kind of want to talk about that throughout this story. David is already the anointed king of Israel, but yet alone, look at what he chooses to do at this time. So David's actually told to, to walk grain to his brothers because Israel was in battle with the Philistines. And so while he was walking some grain and, and bread to his brothers while they were in battle, he actually comes across this Goliath, this gigantic Philistine, a 10-foot tall guy that's challenging anybody to come out and fight him. And so David stands on Israel's side and hears this story and says, I'll go fight that guy. And he goes and fights Goliath and defeats him. And so that's where we're picking it up in the story is David has defeated Goliath. He's, he's the next king of Israel. And uh, everybody loves David. You know, they just love David. He defeated a 10-foot giant at 13, 14 years old now. Like that's that's uh, pretty amazing. So that's where we're at in our story. We're going to pick it up in 1 Samuel 18, 5. So whatever mission Saul sent him on, David was so successful that Saul gave him a high rank in the army. And this pleased all the troops. Remember, everyone loves David. Everybody likes this guy. So this pleased all the troops and Saul's officers as well. They didn't even care that David jumped from not even being in the army when David showed up on the scene of the Israelite battle, David wasn't even in the army. He was there to drop off some food. <laughs> and so the, the high rank, remember, everybody loves David. So everybody, the troops and Saul's officers were so excited about this new young guy that's actually assuming a higher rank than them. And they're okay with that. That's never been my, my experience in any job I've ever worked. It's like, no, I've been working here forever. you got to work your way up. But not David. David just walks in and just starts taking over stuff. So when the men were returning home after David had killed the Philistine, the women came out of the towns of Israel to meet King Saul and singing and dancing with joyful songs and timbers and lyres as they danced, they sang, Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. You guys remember that song? It was just, it was, it was a great song that used to be played. No, you don't remember it. But Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. Let me point out something here. Saul has been king for 22 to 25 years at this time. Everybody loves David. You've been king. You've been, you've like dedicated your life to being the king. Dedicated your heart to this, this tribe of Israel and protecting them and, and creating a great culture there. And David comes, he kills this 10-foot giant, and all of a sudden everybody loves him. And now the ladies are singing songs about how great he is. Now, they threw your name in the mix a little bit, but they're, they're kind of forgetting about you. You slain your thousands, but David, his tens of thousands, everybody loves David. Saul was very angry. Imagine that. At, right after the song, he's hearing the song, he's very angry, this refrain. 
the song that was being sung by the ladies, it displeased him greatly. They credited David with tens of thousands, he thought, but me with only thousands. What more will he get but the kingdom? Man, that's a bad situation, isn't it? You already see Saul's heart. Saul's the king. He trusts David to go fight Goliath. David fights Goliath. Everybody loves David. His heart's about to change. His heart is about to change. What more can he get but the kingdom? Wait a second. Oh, he's coming after everything. And from that time on, Saul kept a close eye on David. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) He keeps a close eye on this guy. Oh, he's coming after my kingdom. He's here to, to take everything that I've worked so hard for. The stuff that I've been anointed to actually have. But what Saul didn't know is David was already promised his kingdom. Saul didn't know that that David already had been promised by Elhanah Iman, the faithful God, that you're the next king of Israel. Saul's holding on to something that isn't even his anymore. Instead of seeing potential in David, he, he sees David as a threat. Instead of in the panic mode, anxiety, fear, and frustration. I, I want to just show you what jealousy and envy can do in a person's life. Because it's right in our very next, right in the next verse. Saul was very angry and started thinking, what, David's coming after everything I I have. And look at verse 10. It says, the next day an evil spirit from God came forcefully on Saul because Saul's heart changed in that moment. He no longer was the king of Israel. He was the king that was actually going to protect anyone else from having being the king of Israel. He, he looked at everything as his own as opposed to he was anointed by God for this season and for this time. He started thinking about how much people like David and it changed his heart because jealousy does something to us, doesn't it? And so this evil spirit comes on Saul because he got jealous. And while he was prophesying in his house, while David was playing the lyre, as he usually did, Saul had a spear in his hand, and he hurled it, saying to himself, I'll just pin David to the wall. So <laughs> even in this moment of having David serving him, David goes out, he fights giants, and then he comes into the house to serve Saul because he was a great harpist. He, was, he could actually play very... Um, moving melodies that would would kind of change Saul's mood. And so Saul would have him play continuously when he'd start to get in a really bad mood. And he would actually sing around the house as David would play. He would be singing songs of God's greatness and and who God is. He was prophesying is what what the Bible says. But then his heart is so, even in prophecy, even his heart wasn't even changed that he was, he was doing all the stuff with his mouth, but his heart was still really gross. He was, he was prophesying with his mouth and saying great words about God and God's kingdom and Israel and what God had done. He is a Hana Iman and praising the Lord in his house with a spear in his hand. Like something's wrong with this scenario, isn't it? 
he's, he's worshiping God with a spear in his hand. And so in this moment, as he's worshiping the Lord with a spear in his hand, he decides, you know what? I am so jealous of this guy that's playing music that he hurls a spear right at David while he's playing a harp. That's pretty tough. I've played, I've been playing music for quite a while. I've never played for that crowd. And I'm telling you this, I wouldn't go back. I want to go back to that bar or that venue, whatever it may be. I'm never playing here again. I'm leaving. So David's just wanting to serve Saul with all of his heart. Do you see David's heart in this? He's just serving Saul. This is, this is one of the gifts that David has. David was a multifaceted, gifted person And one of his gifts, one of his gifts was playing the lyre, was playing music. That's just one. And so he's like, well, my king needs it, so I'm going to serve him because it seems to calm his mood. So while you're serving your king, a spear is thrown at you. And check out this, the very next verse says, but David eluded him twice, not once, but twice. I'm sorry, I'm putting down my harp and I'm running out of there. I will never play for you again, Saul. We're done. I am sick of working here. (laughs) I quit. But the Bible says, (laughs) what is Saul doing? Walking around the house singing with a spear in his hand and trying to pin David to the wall in a moment of worship. Not once, but twice. That means David stuck around after the first time. Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with David but had departed from Saul. So he sent David away from him and gave him command over thousands of men. And David led troops in their campaigns. In everything he did, he was a great success because the Lord was with him. This may look like a great scenario for David. Number one, you get to get out of the house of the person trying to spear you to the wall. But do you see that in that, what we just read was, Saul was afraid of David So he got, now you have to trust Saul, right? He tried pinning you to the wall twice. Okay, well, he just had a couple of bad days. And then, not only that, is now he's sending you to the front line to lead campaigns. It says to lead campaigns, to lead the troops. Leaders in this time actually led by example and and your leader would be at the front line of the battle. They're at the front line. And so what Saul's doing here is actually putting David out in battle. Well, I can't pin him to the wall. Well, maybe somebody else will. I can't get rid of this guy, but somebody else will. So he's so scared of him that he just keeps sending him out to battle. But the problem was, is God was with David because God is Elhana Iman. He called David to be the next king of Israel. 
And he's faithful to that promise. And so David keeps coming back with all these victories, which is just gaining more. He's just getting, gaining more respect and, and more songs are being sung about him. Saul even tried so hard to get rid of David that he tried setting him up with his daughter and trapping him as his son-in-law to just try to keep David suppressed. Like, okay, I'll, I'll give you my daughter. And, and David said, no, no, she's, she's not for me. Um, I actually, like, I couldn't, there's no way I could marry into your, your family line. Like, you guys are so blessed. So David just constantly chose the higher road, even though Saul really didn't like him, tried to get rid of him, tried pinning him to the wall with a spear. He was jealous of him. David was the anointed king, but for him to take the throne was God's timing. There's a really great chance that after David killed Goliath and definitely after David's been going out in battle that he could have forced his way onto the throne. When Samuel gave David the, the anointing of you're going to be next king of Israel, there were two options for David. One was force your way into being the king and move Saul out of the way. And at this point in time, I believe that he could have done that. He had everybody's approval. The second option is come under the authority of the current king, learn everything that you can, learn the bad, learn the good, Discover everything that you can of what the current king is doing, and then you will actually rise up to be king because you came under the authority of the current king. See, God works in our lives when we trust him to be faithful even when we come under the authority of something or someone that we don't agree with or we think we could do it better than. God works in our lives when we come under the authority of someone that we don't agree with or in the back of our minds, we think we could do it better than. And the truth of the matter is, is maybe you could. But it's in God's timing. God puts people in authority in certain seasons. And so David had this opportunity to just come under the authority of Saul and say, I'm going to serve him. Even though he's a bad king and he's a really bad boss, this guy <laughs> doesn't even like me. But he serves them. You would think in, in ministry and in, in church ministry that this would all work itself out really well, and there would be uh, no stories of people having a hard time coming under authority of others. Because we're the church, right? And this is what you do. But uh I just have like just such a great story. It was so many years ago. None of you know the people involved, involved in the story except for myself and my wife. But we were re leading a college age group and it was going really well. Uh, we've always had a heart and passion to, to reach college age kids and stuff. It's a really pivotal time of their life. And so like we came under the authority of the church. We asked the pastor, is it cool for us to lead a college age group? You know, that's our heart and our passion. Like, would you do you guys support that? And they prayed about it, and they came back to me and said, yeah, we, we would love to have that at the church. And so 
they, they actually just, you know, bless that over us. Like, you guys lead that. That'll be kind of your community group. And so we led a college-age group, and it met at our house, and it was going really well. And we had this other couple that was kind of close to our age come to the group a couple of times. And, and after they came a couple of times, they decided, you know, hey, we want to come alongside you guys and help in this. And my wife and I were like, great, because you know what? College-age kids uh, are, are a lot. There's a lot going on, and the more the merrier. If we could have some help in this, that would be great. There's about 20 Twenty some kids that are coming to our house, and we we didn't really know how to how to, how to handle all of these and a, a lot of situations that I felt totally I don't have enough time to to meet with these people, and so like I was so excited about that, and and so they came to uh, we, we had them over for dinner, and come to dinner, and um, we're we're hanging out, and we're talking about the group, and and then uh, they finally just said, hey, I just wanted to let you know something after they had been to the group like twice, I just want to let you know something that uh, I'm, uh, I'm supposed to take over this group, you know? And uh, so we're just, I thought we were just having dinner with friends and they just decided to let me know that they're going to just take over the group. And um, I said, did you talk to the pastors about that? Like, mm, not really, but we're, we're going to. And we're just going we, to, uh, we think that we're just supposed to take it over. Oh, okay. Um, but for what reason? Kind of, you know, found some reasons why with leadership or how it was being ran and stuff like that. And like, oh, okay. And um, yeah, I don't, I don't really agree with that. Like, you haven't really come under the, the authority of the current group yet. You know, you've been a couple of times. And so I, I was just really confused, just totally taken back. And finally, <laughs> at my dinner table, uh, one of them said, he slams his hand on the table and says, I'm taking over the group. <laughs> and I'm like, this is my house, right? We're in my house, right? You know, you're, you're under the authority of my roof that, you know, we we pay for we just fed you dinner you're slamming your hand on my table <laughs> um and you're saying that you're just going to take something over that you haven't even come under the authority of the the church that's being ran out of or the the leaders of the group that are currently there and just so forcefully saying like you're moving out of the way and i'm taking it over from here on out and so there's times in in our life that that there's, there's moments where, where God has maybe gifted us in such a season that we, we are way more gifted, more talented, better leaders, read more John Maxwell books, whatever it may be, you know. Um, but there's an importance in coming under the authority of the current leadership that God blesses. And if he's called us to lead something, he is Elhana Iman, and he's going to be faithful to that calling. He's going to be faithful to, to lead us in a way. And so, you know, so many times in my own personal life, in all those jobs, when I found a bad boss and I felt like I could do things better than this person, you know, the structure of this is this, or the way people are getting paid is this. And, you know, just thinking that I, I would jump ship. 
But there's so much value when you just say, you know what, here's the thing. There's so much value when you just say, Lord, I am going to serve you no matter who's in charge. I'm just here to serve. And, and if you get promoted, if you get moved up to, to whatever it is that you've dreamed of, like, great. If that means serving underneath somebody for, for many years and being that supporting role, amazing. Because the point of this whole entire thing of God being faithful to us is he's the one that we're serving. And he's going to be faithful in that season, in that timing to, to raise us up and to put us into that next role, whatever it may be. Colossians 3.23 says, whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ that you are serving. Anyone who does you wrong will be repaid for the wrongs, and there is no favoritism. That's a powerful verse because what it means is everything we do, we work at it as we're working for the Lord. So if you're a stay-at-home mom, it seems like a season of, man, I, I just want to get free from this, or I, I just love this season. You know, every single morning, as you're working for the Lord. If you work in construction, that boss, that general foreman, that, that general contractor, you're working for the Lord. In everything that we do, if you're at school and it's just a season of like working at working for yourself to, to actually step into your next role, you're working for the Lord. Give it your very, very best. In everything you do, work at it with all your heart because your work is for the Lord. Come under the authority that's around you and watch how God just blesses that. I love the, I just want to end with this very ending. It's in verse 25. It says, anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrongs. And so, as you've seen in the story of David, David didn't come at Saul. He trusted God in God's process. He doesn't attack Saul. He could have. He just killed a giant. David's a tough guy. And he's the Lord's anointed. Instead, he trusts God that whatever Saul's doing, he's going to reap what he sows. He's going to reap what he sows. Sometimes we may not see what was reaped if we worked for a really bad boss. Because a lot of times I want to be the reaper. You know, when you work for somebody that's really hard to work for and, and, um, and just doesn't see your potential. Like sometimes you just want to be the reaper. Like, ah, I want you to see what's, what's happened, what, what you missed out on. Like sometimes you're just not going to see what's reaped. But what you can know is that you could be faithful in what God's called you to and actually just trust him in that process. Like, God, I'm going to just choose to forgive anything or anyone that needs forgiveness, and I'm going to just choose to serve you and work for you because you are Elhana Iman. You are faithful. You are working all things out for your good. And so let's just pray. And what I'd love for us to do today is I would love for us to just pray that, that our new perspective of God being faithful would just be something that carries us into next week. That literally, as you're listening to this, that you would go to work 
with a changed mindset. Whatever that is, whether that's waking up in the morning and taking care of kids or whether that's actually going to a job or whatever that is, that we would start to look at our bosses as, okay, they're the ones in authority right now. And God, I'm going to choose to just serve them like I'm serving you. Let's just pray for that. Because like it just affects every part of our life, doesn't it? So let's just pray for that new perspective right now. God, we thank you so much that anybody and everyone that we work for, Lord, anyone that's in charge of us, anyone in authority over us, Lord, that we could have your eyes and we could just, would you open up our eyes that we would see the things that you're doing behind the scenes, the things that you're preparing us for, the areas of our life that you're working us, working on us, and in the areas that you're saying, hey, don't run. Don't run from this right now. Instead, embrace this. I'm doing something. I'm creating something new in you. I'm the refiner's fire. I'm, I'm actually working on different areas. Lord, and, and would you just create those different areas of our life and give us strength to keep pursuing you in those? And Lord, I would just pray for, for everyone that is listening to this, that we'd, we'd have this new perspective of people in charge of us. Yeah, even, even like stir on our hearts to write thank you cards. <laughs> to, to be thankful for the people that, that have dedicated their life to leading. Lord, I also just pray for all of us that are leaders, Lord. And if we're leaders in this season or if you've called us to be leaders and, and are, are calling us into leading even more, leading our families, leading, leading in our workplace, leading on a sports team, whatever it may be, God, that you would actually um, just give us the strength, Lord, to, to continue to just come under the authority of others around us, people that you've put in charge of us, God. Lord, we choose to just work for you. Even from this moment on, we work for the Lord. Put that heart of David in us. Just says, you know what, I'm going to just serve the king. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Hey, be blessed. We'd love to see you next Sunday. Have an awesome, awesome week, and uh, hope to see you soon.